For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to an episode of Believe in Everything Auburn, a very special episode because it's finally game week, people. The 2021 season kicks off this weekend. Your Tigers are hosting the Akron Zips, and Jason Campbell and myself are so excited to preview this matchup and finally get season underway. We're actually both going to be in attendance working this game as well, so we have got you covered with everything that is going to be happening in this week one matchup. So we've got a lot to talk about, but got to give a shout out to our sponsors. This episode is, of course, presented by Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest that are both open now. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. You can make a bet on Thursday for the September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose... Your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's also presented by Balance 7, like we have talked about on this show before. Former NBA player Lamar Odom. He's considering returning to professional basketball in Spain, and he is crediting a lot of his ability to return to sports to Balance 7. It's a pH-balancing alkaline supplement drink, and obviously this is somebody who had substantial health issues, and a return to sports would need to be with some assistance, and he is crediting Balance 7 for that. 
So head to balance7.com and use the code believe for free shipping. Again, that's balance7.com. Use the code believe, B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping. All right, people. Let's talk some football. And who better to talk football with than the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Campbell. How we doing, J-Cam? What's up, world? <laughs> this is J-Cam. We back. I was we playing back. this music when, when Taylor called me, guys, and I was getting ready for the show, <laughs> and I was, I was jamming. Oh, here we go. Yes. I was like, um, am I interrupting? Jason's like got a club going at his house or something. Yeah, you but know what I'm saying? That's, my guy's that's, just ready. Yeah, you know, it's just Jay-Z singing the song, already home. You know what I mean? Like, this is home. This is football season, Taylor. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. So, oh. and I finally get a chance to meet Taylor, who I have not met, met in person Y'all. since we started a podcast show. But, it is so baffling to me because <laughs> at this point, I mean, we've been doing the show, gosh, almost two years now. And obviously, you know, we don't live in the same city. So we got paired up by our company, Believe podcast network to do this together and we've just done it remotely had full intentions of meeting but then COVID COVID happened and everything was kind of in disarray so yeah someone I work with weekly and consider a good friend I have never met in person which is just the way the world works these days but we will both finally get to be in person at Auburn and you know what that's how it should be Jay we should meet at Auburn you're right because I almost crashed a wedding party that's true in Destin. So this is probably more ironic way to meet. <laughs> it is. It's very appropriate considering our background. But yes, Jason, of course. Well, for anybody confused, why don't you tell everybody what you do for Auburn Games? Yeah, so everybody, if you don't know what I do, this is my, gosh, fifth year, I believe, going into the Auburn Radio Sport wow. Network. So I would be, I'm on the Auburn Sports Network, so I do pregame for about two and a half hours to three hours. And then I re- then I did the halftime report on the radio of the game and what we've seen in the first half and then what I think we may see in the second half of the game. So right. a lot of times I don't have to do post-game. That's mostly Ronnie's job. Um, but sometimes they ask me to come on there with him and we'll kind of do it together. But that's pretty much what I do for the Auburn Sports Network. Are you going to travel this season? They ask me, but I like to leave my traveling alone just because the simple fact that I still want to be a fan of the game. Where yeah, what I mean fair. is I still want to watch some games with my buddies. You know, I yeah. want to have some, some food on the grill, you know, while you watch the game. I want to pop my feet it. up and go to the restroom. If I had to fight 100 people to go to the restroom. And then, you know, and then I just like that my nephew is in college as well. He plays college football. So at oh, least right. two games, I like to try to go see him play. Okay. So uh, that kind of um, – and then I have two buddies that coach college football as well that I kind of want to go see, check on them. We went to high school together, so I want to yeah. go watch them. So it gives me a little leeway, but I'm still tied to the university, but still have right. an opportunity to go and do other things and be a fan. That's awesome. And really, there's nothing like a home game. So I got you. It's so funny because it's it's a catch 22, I guess, because if you work in sports, it's because you have a substantial love and appreciation for the game. But what made you love the game is the experience of it. And you no Mm -hmm. longer get those like I, I was trying to explain it to my friend the other day because I you know, have been in the sports broadcasting industry since I graduated college. And as it's 
built, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I work NFL, college football, MLB now. And so I, I don't know the last time I got to go to a sporting event as a fan and, and the last time I got to tailgate and just kick back and watch a game. And that's ultimately what started my love for it. And my, but at the same time, I love what I do and I love my job and not a lot of people get to say that. So it's certainly worth it, but it is, uh, you know, it's a little bittersweet because I certainly miss just getting to tailgate and enjoy the experience. But nonetheless, I am still working as a sideline reporter for ESPN on college football. I've, you know, been working with the Royals, like we've talked about this season, but I'm still doing sideline. You can't get rid of me on college football. That is my bread and butter. Um, and it just so happened that my first assignment for the season is Auburn's opener, which boy, that does my heart some good. So <laughs> I will be in attendance working as the SEC network sideline reporter. So I'll be down on the field and on the broadcast for this one. So it's a homecoming for both of us, and we're certainly excited to get the season going. But plenty to talk about with this matchup. Obviously, we have previewed the season and, and talked about this team in this new era as much as we possibly could. But now we have an actual matchup to kind of look ahead to, so we're going to do just that. Like we've talked about heading into this season, you know, starting with a team like Akron, you, you certainly don't give any disrespect. You know, these are hardworking athletes devoting themselves to their craft, just like these Auburn players are. But there's certainly a difference. You know, there's a difference in level. There's a difference of competition. And that will be the case. Uh, this, this Akron team certainly has a long way to go. They're coming off a shortened season in 2020. They only played six games and they went one and five in those contests. Um, but they are seeing the return of a very capable quarterback in Cato Nelson. He sat out the 2020 season after undergoing shoulder surgery but in 2019, he had 1,820 passing yards and 11 touchdowns in his 10 starts. So this is a very capable guy. And honestly, I just got off a phone call where he was discussing the benefits of him having the 2020 season to sit out and observe. And a lot of it was his ability to dive in and dissect film. He said he has a completely different awareness and an ability to kind of uh, – adapt and and see reads a little bit quicker um we'll we'll talk a little bit more about these position groups but I just wanted to start out with that because I think he is a key piece he's probably the biggest difference for them and uh definitely somebody that guys like Smoke Monday are going to try and shut down pretty early but um as far as this Auburn team goes you know Jason talk a little bit about the advantage of having a matchup like this, you know, certainly you can't get too far ahead of yourself. Brian Harson would hate the fact that I'm talking like this because <laughs> you have to respect and appreciate every opponent. And, you know, it's a one and O mentality and I get that, but there is a little bit of cushion here because this Auburn team knows they've got some, you know, wrinkles to iron out and you feel like this is a matchup that you're able to do that with. What is that, um, benefit and, and the mental aspect of a week one matchup like this. I mean, look, two years ago, we had to start in prime time against Oregon in an NFL stadium. This is certainly a little bit more relaxed than that. Right. Let's just face it. You know, let's just speak the truth. It's a lot of cushion here, Taylor. It's a lot right. of cushion. But I'm going to say this. It's the first game of the season. You really don't know what you're going to get because 2020 was kind of a year of the unknown. 
And what and I say that because a lot of kids opted out to play and not and to play and not to play. And when you miss your starting quarterback, like it's a starter. You know, right. like you look at their record, you're like, oh my gosh, there's they was terrible last year in Akron. But at the same time, yes, your starting quarterback can has a can have a lot to do with the record. And not only that is this is a new game, a new season in front of fans. So yeah. you got to think that these kids are going to play with a whole lot more energy and they know that they're going to get a little bit more attention. So those guys going to come down here ready to play football, ready to give Auburn their best shot. And like you said, you always have to respect your opponent. Uh, you know, I was watching Illinois and Nebraska this past weekend. And the first game is just so much stuff that can happen that you don't know. Right. Illinois starting quarterback went down within the first quarter. And yep. then all of a sudden here comes the transfer guy. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't expecting to be playing that early, but because he had experience, he came in and Illinois didn't miss a beat and they still won the game mm -hmm. against Nebraska. So for all the fans that are saying, Oh, Bo and TJ, like you never know when you need two quarterbacks in a season. Totally. So I don't look at TJ as a threat. If I was, no, if I was Bo, I'm trying to do my job. But at the same time, if something was to go down, you want your team in college football to still be able to compete as a fan and be able to compete for a championship. And I think having TJ there shows you exactly the importance of having that number two if you watch the Illinois and Nebraska game this past weekend. Absolutely. So, you know, we need to understand that at this standpoint, you don't know what to expect. And when you got a new coach, Coach Harson, coming from the West Coast, Midwest, coming to the East Coast and his first time in the SEC, you need a little buildup. I don't want us to go out there and play a Clemson or someone in his first game where he's there. Oh, so, I no. so I think it's a great <laughs> idea for us to open up with two, you know, opponents that, you know, yes, Auburn should win, but at the yeah. same time, like, it's good warm-up games to get you ready for the big schedule, the big dolls, and, but nobody. Do not disrespect this football team because it was just 2007 that Appalachian State upset at Michigan in the big house. So, mm -hmm. you know, we cannot just come in and say, oh, this is a blowout. No, this is a game where we're trying to get our foot in because we have not arrived yet. So we don't need yeah. to act that way. A hundred percent. I actually spoke with Bo yesterday. Um, I did a phone interview with him and he was saying, you know, you can – try and simulate a game type experience as best you can, but there is nothing like the actual thing. You can mm -hmm. get as close as possible, but there is nothing like actual game reps. And for a lot of these guys, specifically his wide receiver group, which is what he mentioned, they're lacking that experience. And, and so to have these first two for them to get that experience, he said even the flow of the game, something as simple as TV timeouts, like those little nuances of an actual game, it's so different. And going against someone that's not your own teammate where you have gotten to the point where you know every little tick that they have, you've got a completely new set of guys to face in week one. And I think for this Auburn team, that is going to be incredibly important. Heck, I think it's going to be important for Bo, too. I mean, he's got to shake some of the, you know, residual impact of, of last season and, and some of his numbers that have regressed and all of that. Like, he needs a bounce back as well. So, I, I'm glad that this is how we start out the season. You're absolutely right. I mean, if we were – 
you know, like this Georgia Clemson game in week one, that's, that's massive, you know? And so mm-hmm. this is certainly a better situation and the necessary situation for Auburn because a lot still is unknown. Um, so obviously the depth chart has been released for this one. I want to get your input on a few things. I don't think it was much of a surprise, but for anyone who was still thinking that there was a bit of a question at quarterback, Bo Nix does get the nod. I fully expect to see TJ Finley at some point though. Don't you? Well, we're going to see him by default uh, in these first two games. Just That's because what I, mean. I Yeah. Just because I think, you know, by the third quarter, these games should be won. And I right. think it's, it's valuable for him to get out there and get experience. Uh, you know, he's in a new place, a new uniform, new coaching staff, and he does need those reps because I don't want us to get into a point of a season where we're saying, oh, everything's about Bo, everything's about Bo, and then God forbid something happens and you need the next guy to step up, and all of a sudden right. he's not familiar with anybody because he's only had spring practice, he's only had summer practice. Like, no, that's why I always tell people, you need everybody on that roster ready to play. Even the backup offensive lineman needs to be ready to play because that's the one position that gets hurt the most during season. And so you need those second guys ready to roll in as a starter if they're counted on. And Mm -hmm. if you look at our football team, our secondary is very deep. It's very oh, deep. Lord. But how many times do you realize during a season where you have one of your DBs have to miss a game or two? So you need to make sure that I'm happy that we're deep. And I just hope the guys that are not starting don't get bitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't go home and be like, man, I'm not starting. Like, I came here to start. The guys, there's only 11 guys that can play on the field at one time on offense or defense. Like, so understand this. You never know when your moment is called to go in the game is going to make a difference. And that's right. the thing that I got a chance to experience when, when Ronnie was behind Cadillac. Cadillac was the one getting all the attention. Cadillac gets hurt. Ronnie comes in. His career takes off. Next thing you know, he's what? A second pick in a draft. You know, right. so you just never know how things are going to come your way. But you have to understand, like, put the team first in everything you do. All the yeah. other stuff always fall in place. Just put the team first. So I like our depth chart. Like I said, you know, we lose a little bit by losing Truesdale on the defensive line. But yeah. I think Tony Fair is going to be good. I think Tony I Fair, you know, he's a guy coming over from UAB. Uh, you know, he's so I, I think he's going to be good for it. He's a big stud. He's a big run stopper. And if you haven't seen this mountain of a guy, you know, <laughs> you will see him in person. And you will yeah. see like, oh, my gosh, like. Those are the guys that you're not getting to him. You don't want him to necessarily get pressure on the quarterback. Like That's not his forte. His forte is to be a run stopper. So, right. you know, I'm excited to see what this team does. I do like the depth on the defensive side of the ball. I think offensively, if you have to think from a depth standpoint, I think having Demetrius Robertson, I think, was a big get for us Huge. offensively. Um, you know, hopefully this should be the year that Shedrick Jackson, like, you know, he has the body size. So when you see this guy in person, you're like, gosh, this guy's like, he's looked strong as a receiver, yeah. you know? So hopefully this is the year where he gets a lot of balls. We can control the middle of the field because safeties don't really want to hit this guy. And right. um, hopefully that gives time for capers and, um, and, and some of the younger guys to, to be able to step up. And, and like you said, get into that rhythm of playing these first two games. This is totally. great for them. Like, so I'm excited to see how these guys react and we know there'll be some mistakes and that's part of it, but I just want to see how they react, you know, when things go well and when things don't go well. Honestly, that's a great point. Like so much of this is also your 
adaptability and your reaction when things fall apart. That is not just a bow thing. That's an everybody thing. If something mm-hmm. doesn't go right, how does this team respond? I think that was a major flaw for this team last season. It was like if if something started to crumble, everything did. That cannot be – one domino can fall. The rest of them can't. Like, And that's something that has to be established early. But – I think you're, yes, I think we will end up seeing TJ Finley because these games will be in a situation where we can and allow Bo some rest time. And also, I think, on it, I'll be frank, some reports have come out from fall camp that TJ is a better passer than Bo. And, and that's been such an Achilles heel for this offense. We know what Bo can do with his legs. He's a very capable athletic guy. But if he continues to show an inability to improve that accuracy and to make better decisions, step up into the pocket, don't set us back 20 yards because you're trying to scramble. If those things don't improve early, guys, we have Penn State week three. Like, there isn't a whole lot of time. We've got this buffer these first two weeks. But I think if you're Harson, you're looking at this going, all right, there are so many reasons why Bo should be the guy. And, and for all intents and purposes, he is the guy. But let's see what TJ does in a game-type environment so that we know what we're working with if we get into these bigger matchups and we need another option. I think – normalize having packages for two quarterbacks with different skill sets. There is no problem with that. It takes me back to the Joey Gatewood situation. When Bo was not getting it done in the red zone, why was Gatewood not turned to? He has a completely different stature and skill set. This is what we're working with with TJ Finley. He's a bigger body guy. He's already showing his ability to get the ball downfield. See what he does in a game-type environment against Akron and Alabama State so you know if, if push comes to shove against Penn State and Happy Valley, what you're working with with a guy like that I I don't see anything wrong with that I don't think that takes anything away from Bo or his status with this team I think it's smart coaching so I expect that we will see Finley in some capacity just to see his reaction to a game environment but you also mentioned the depth in the secondary I mean that is just beyond uh, it feels like an understatement we have so much depth there (laughs) so much so that Drayshawn Miller was not even on the depth chart. I saw that. That was concerning. Yes. I don't know. I haven't heard any reports if there's – I mean, look, the reality is, you know, COVID is still a thing. Let, let's be frank. There are – he is a transfer, so sometimes eligibility things go under the – I don't know why he's not listed on the depth chart. You hope it's just because there's so much freaking depth that, like, he just didn't make the cut. But – that surprised me. I mean, this is a guy, one of my very good friends uh, is a West Virginia alum, and he reached out to me saying, why is Miller not on the depth chart? This guy would have been an all Big 12 preseason nominee. Like, West Virginia alum are used to seeing this kid show out. So I, yeah. I was I was surprised that he wasn't on there. It, it makes well, you kind of wonder if something's up. I would probably say this is a weak thing. Um, what I mean by that, this is just this week only. I think maybe there could be an injury that he's not going to be playing this week. Or like you said, there could be COVID protocols that the reason he's not being listed on the depth chart for this week. And, um, and that may change next week. So I think they're going to this thing instead of listing a depth chart for the whole season is that they do it weekly. And uh, this may be something that in house that he's not a depth chart because he's not playing this week. So 
you know, we'll probably get more details about it once we're down there. And once I'm in Auburn this weekend, I know yeah. more about it. But this kid is a player and we heard so much good things about him in the spring when he transferred over and in the summer. So I couldn't imagine him like, oh, he's not on a team. Like, I just right. really think it's just a, something in-house that could be keeping him out for this week. And that's why he's not listed. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, obviously, you know what you're going to get from guys like Owen Papo, Zacoby McLean, Roger McCreer. I mean, like the list goes on and on. I cannot wait to see what Chandler Wooten puts together. I think he's listed at the star. Um, obviously, uh, this guy has the athletic ability to kind of get you all over. The defense is listed as a hybrid between a 4-3 and a 3-4, kind of what you come to expect from Derek Mason. That means no nickel is listed. When they do play nickel, it's going to be Donovan Kaufman, who everyone remembers is a transfer from Vandy, so somebody that Derek Mason has a lot of experience and understanding with. So Chandler Wooten is listed at the star position, and again, this is a guy that chose to opt out in 2020, and even with the changes and, and kind of the turnover at Auburn, he wanted to stay and he wanted to play in 2021. And I just have a sneaky suspicion that this kid's going to ball out. Yeah, I, I do. I, I really do. I think Chandler Wooten, you know, he's a captain and um, yeah. you know, that, that speaks volume. Anytime it that does. you can, can get this, your teammates to put you as a captain and like that says a lot about your work ethic. And and this guy set out last year, he didn't even mm -hmm. play in 2020. So you know, I'm pretty sure he's itching at the bit to get out there and play. So yeah. it's been a long time. So his motor is going to be high. He's going to be ready to roll. And I think we're going to notice his impact early on in the season. And like I said, he is a senior. So he understands that what's at stake for him. So right. I, I just think you need guys like him, though. When you hear about, you know, who he is as a person, you know, it makes you want to get behind this guy and, and, and like support him. So. I just think Chandler is one of those guys that's game changer. He reminds me of like a Carl Lawson type guy. Uh, you know, oh, the Army yeah. used to have back in the day. Uh, yep. I say back in the day, Carl would be mad at me. But a couple of years ago, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he, he's one of those type of players. And uh, I just think that, you know, this guy can, uh, can make an impact for us. I certainly look forward to seeing that. Well, we're going to talk a couple other positions, get Jason's input on uh, what to be looking for in this week's matchup. But one more sponsor to go ahead and recognize. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpools.com and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. So again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contests, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Okay, so another thing that I asked Bo about when I talked to him this week was the tight end position. And I said, Bo, 
are you wanting to utilize the tight ends in the passing game as much as we are? And he said, of course. He said, the more, the better. He said, the talent we have at that position and their ability to be threats is substantial. And I want to get those guys involved as much as I can. So even our starting quarterback wants to see it happen. So that's positive. And certainly uh, part of Harson's repertoire has been utilizing the big guys more than, you know, perhaps Malzahn did. Was it because he didn't have the, the guys to do it? Who knows? But nonetheless, you hope that that's what we're going to see. John Samuel Shanker gets the nod as the first guy. It is interesting that we don't see Brandon Frazier anywhere on the depth chart after he got some good playing time in 2020. But uh, Shanker, uh, from some some guys that are listed on there that you really, really hope you're going to see them <laughs> get some of those options. And, and, I mean, look, again, I feel like a broken record. The time to try it out is weeks one and two. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you this, Taylor, it's time to separate the meat and the potatoes. And how you do that is mm-hmm. the season is starting. But you look at our roster and you look at the tight end position. We have Shanker, 6'4", Luke Deal, 6'5", Tyler Fromm, 6'5", Brandon Frazier, 6'7", Landon King, 6'5". That sounds like a basketball squad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're a quarterback and you can't see these guys over the middle of the field, we got a problem. So yeah. these guys are are definitely big guys. And I say the meat and potatoes because the tight end is a unique position. When you think about the tight end position, they're not only just utilizing the passing game, which in the past over the last couple of years has only been the run game, where now they get a chance to get in the passing game. These guys have got to be able to put a hat on a hat and be able to block someone at the point of attack. But also you have got to be a great route runner. And you have got to be able to create separation from you and the safety, you and a linebacker, especially on third downs where you get a lot of two man coverage and you're going to see people try to man up on our tight ends. This is the opportunity where your size could really matter. You know, you, you've seen what Grunt Gakowski has done yeah. over guys that are not as tall as him because of his height, his size, how he reach up and catch the ball. You see what Travis Kelsey is doing over in the Kansas City like. The tight end position is not a a position that, oh, you put your three hands in the dirt. No, this is a position that changes the game. And this has changed at the revolution of football over the last couple of years at the pro level. So if I'm a, if I'm a college kid and, and everything, man, I am looking at this as saying, okay, we haven't got the ball in the last. So guess what? If I'm Shinker, if I'm a senior, Oh, you best believe like, give me the rock like this is my only time to shine and he has that ability we he caught a couple passes last year I think it was like 10 um but he has the ability to make plays and Luke Deal has those abilities so I'm excited to see the tight end position get utilized um everyone noticed that JJ Pagay is not on the piece is not on the tight end he is now a D tackle Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised to see him in short yardage situations on the goal line where you bring in the big refrigerator and uh, and you let him go in there rumble and tumble on some people. So, you know, it's great to have talent. It's great to have the big tight end, but I want to see us utilize them, especially in the red zone, because to me, that's where games are won and lost with the big bodies that you can put out there and, and go up and catch a ball. I will be so excited to see the first reception from a tight end. (laughs) Like, I think everyone will go absolutely nuts. Honestly, it's just become such a thing for Auburn fans now, too. We're just, like, so invested in it. But uh, I I definitely think 
especially with where the wide receiver group is right now and and so much newness and and youth at that position oh, the yeah. tight ends i mean it's it's theirs for the taking right now to kind of make that make well, that i jump. say this for you taylor what we should do an over and under of how many catches <gasps> do we think the tight end catches this oh shoot okay i'm gonna go not just one guy the just no, any no, no. tight as end a, as a, yeah, as a whole as All a right. whole I'm thinking I'm gonna go three. Three? Yep. Three? Three. Oh man. Oh. What what you think? I'm gonna go lucky number seven. Seven? You're out your mind, Jay. I'm gonna go lucky number seven. I'm gonna say the tight end is gonna catch at least two passes per quarter. And then there's gonna be one in there that's one quarter is gonna get three. We're talking recept- completions, not targets, right? I'm talking, com- I'm talking targets, targets and completions. So I'm saying wow. if they get targeted 10 times, they're catching seven. You're well, I'm just saying how many, ca- how many catches is- will be caught by the tight end All right. this game. We're playing Akron. If we can't get seven catches by the tight end position against Akron so that Penn State get it on film and some of these other teams get it on film so that opens up everything else down the road, I'm gonna be a little bit just uneasy. Alarmed. I, alarmed. I just really yeah. think the tight end should catch the ball at least as a whole. We're talking about as a whole group, seven catches in the first right. game. In the first okay. game. And we have a young receiving core. So that's why I'm expecting the ball to go a little bit more to the tight end in the first game. See, I think that you utilize this situation to get those younger guys more comfortable so you hit them more. Hey, I agree. One of us going to be right. One of us going to be wrong. <laughs> or in some capacity, we'll both be right. And uh, that's going to be good. Um, yes, definitely exciting to see. Obviously, I really don't even feel like we need to talk about the run game. Tank Bigsby, enough said. Sean Chivers, enough said. You feel really good about both of them. Uh, I think this will be a, a bit of a, you know, dancing game because you want to get both of them in that in that game flow, you know, get their stamina up, all of that, but you, you can't run them too much in a situation like this. Keeping Tank healthy is going to be such a pivotal piece to this entire season. So you got to think long-term game with a guy like that. Um, yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about Akron. Like I mentioned, their quarterback, Cato Nelson, certainly a very capable guy. We asked him today who he kind of models his game after who he thinks he resembles a little bit in his play style. And he said, Russell Wilson. Um, so that kind of gives you a, a bit of an understanding of how he, you know, kind of views his own game. He likes to make plays with his feet, but he said, he's kind of like Bo, like he knows he has that as his fallback, but you can't pull that too soon because then you're eliminating the possibility of an explosive play, a deep threat, that kind of thing. Uh, he's got a couple wide receivers that he feels pretty good about. Um, they actually are not going to be with one of their arguably best players in their running back. I, I might be mispronouncing this Tion Dollard definitely could be mispronouncing that. I apologize if I am. He's, uh, like I said, probably their most talented player, but he is not going to be eligible. He got into some legal issues this off season. And so he will not be with the team this season. That is a substantial loss for them. But on the defensive side, they have a very talented linebacker to keep your eye on. His name is Bubba. Bubba Arslanian, I believe is how you pronounce it. He had 74 tackles in just six games 
in this past oh, season. So this guy, yes, he's incredibly intelligent as, you know, the best linebackers are the ones that not only react quicker than everybody, but they dissect quicker than everybody. They, they kind of, I think of Luke Keekley immediately off the bat, but it, it's like he knew what was about to happen before it happened and then reacted accordingly. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy is on the, the senior bowl watch list. He's on multiple trophy watch lists already for preseason. Um, and he's, he's a veteran guy. I, I believe he read that. I read that he just turned 23. So he's somebody with, uh, with plenty of experience and, a very capable guy for them at the linebacker position. But as far as week one goes, maybe not specifically this matchup, but just in terms of, of setting the season off on the right foot, what are some positions, aspects of the scheme, uh, interaction on the team? Like what are some things that you are looking for and, and that you think need to be established for this Auburn team in week one? Well, I like to see how we adapt to a 34 defense. Uh, you know, this has been a 4-3 defense traditionally over the last couple of years. And um, so I would just like to see, like, how do these guys do in a 34, especially the outside linebackers that have to be in the stand-up position. And, you know, and uh, just see, like, who can create pass rush from it, from being in a stand-up position. And that's, that's my biggest thing there. And the other part is, how do we rotate those guys in the secondary? Because we know that we play in the SEC. We know it has become a predominantly passing league in college football. And, you know, how do we rotate those guys? Yeah, I understand that, you know, we have Coffin that's going to come in at nickel. What do we do with Jalen Simpson? You know, like, mm-hmm. when did he come in and play? Uh, we know Nehemiah Prickett is the other corner. And like you said, as time continue to go, you know, Smoke Monday, the best name in college football. You know, what would Smoke do differently this year uh, to adapt and, and, and get ready? I remember last year we talked about he can do a little better, better in coverage. You know, we know he's a hitter. We know he's a, he's a ball getter. And uh, – but what does Smoke do this year as far as coverage um, in that aspect to take that next step? Um, you know, just also thinking about, you know, from an offensive standpoint, who's our third running back? What does Hunter do as our third running back? Like this mm-hmm. kid, we understand that he squats a whole bunch, but what does Drakquez Hunter do for us with the third running back? Because you have to be prepared. You know, we understand Tank got nicked up some last year. And remember, yeah. Shivers came in and everything. But by that time, we had all our running backs had untransferred. At one point, we was trying to figure out who was going to be at running back. So, you know, I think this kid, Hunter, man, I think this kid is going to be a kid to, to look after uh, this year and beyond. And left tackle, the most important position on the offense, uh, mm-hmm. Alec Jackson, how will he handle one-on-ones this year? and giving pass protection because I want to see this offensive line jail. I, I think it's time. Nick Brom is yeah. a senior. He's one of the better seniors in college football at his position. Um, like I said, but this group has been together now long enough for them. Now it's time for them to start gelling. And can we or friend get this group to jail together to build that wall in front of the quarterback and right. give Bo and TJ and whoever else playing quarterback the opportunity to throw the ball. And uh, in the right tackle position, you know, Broderius Ham, I think he's going to be good. He's a senior. Tayshaun Manning, like I said, another senior. And uh, I think the only guy that's not a senior is our right guard. And that's Mm -hmm. uh, Keandre Jones. So he's a sophomore. So from that standpoint, we should have more time to throw the football this year. Right. And I want to see how your boy, your guy, 
Mike Bobo does at the offensive coordinator. I know Taylor's over yeah. there just grinning a little bit, mm-hmm. but you know, my guy's Derek Mason. I've made that very <laughs> freaking clear, Jason. <laughs> So I'm just trying to throw a little salt on the wound, but like I said, uh-huh. I, I want to see how Mike Bobo does with this pro style offense, yeah. you know, because over the last, you know, seven years, it's been a NASCAR offense. Everything is fast, 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 fast. Now, how do we slow down the tempo a little bit, but how do these guys, how does Bo do under the center? That's a, people don't realize that's a big, big difference between being in the shotgun 95% of your time. And then now having to take the ball from under the center. And so I want to see how he does with that. And as well, like you say, I want to, I just, I just want to see how this offense do from 50% under the center, 50% in shotgun. And what do we look like? Cause it's going to be a mm-hmm. totally different look than it's been in the last seven years. Right. Yeah. I asked Bo about kind of what he expects workflow wise, because, you know, last season and the season prior, he and Gus had very open lines of communication on the sideline. I mean, he would come off the field and immediately go to Gus to kind of talk about what he was seeing. And, and so I asked him, you know, who he expects to kind of be breaking down with and communicating with a lot. He told me that Bobo will, will be up in the box. Um, and so it likely, you know, obviously he'll talk to him on heads, but I'll be curious to see if he and Harson have that same kind of rapport because, you know, Harson's background is at the quarterback position and he knows, you know, what he needs to kind of adjust and figure out at that position. So I'll be keeping my eye on that on the sideline just to kind of see if that's still, you know, Bo's kind of, I guess, practice like if that's what he feels comfortable doing going straight to a coach and kind of breaking things down sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm on the sideline and I see guys immediately go to their o-line and and kind of communicate with those guys about like what are you seeing what coverages are they throwing or they're running back but Bo always went to Gus and I'm curious if that's a a quarterback head coach thing or if it was a Bo Gus thing you know so little things like that you know we just we're gonna see so many you know, differences this week and, and a lot will be learned in this first contest, even if the opponent is one that you, you certainly feel like you will come out with a comfortable W there's a lot that we're going to learn and take away from this one. It will also mark the return of normal college football tailgating returns, tiger walk returns, a full Jordan Hare stadium. And I, again, have talked to the players about that and, it just, it, it provides such a level of adrenaline for them that was completely absent last year. So it, it's going to crank everything up a notch. I think even with, you know, not a marquee matchup, if you will, there's so much excitement just to return to normalcy and have a college football experience that we all expect to see. But. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. One more storyline. Oh, go, go. I got a question for you before. I know you're about to get to the storyline. I know it was coming up next. <laughs> but before we get to that one, though, the South Carolina quarterback. Oh, how weird is that? How do you feel about grad that? Grad coach. Uh, you know, a guy go from grad coach to where he, he was at North Dakota State or something. Then I said he came up as a grad coach and now he's yeah. the quarterback yeah. for South Carolina. So mm-hmm. I don't know what state of the program the South Carolina Game costs in. I know they got a new coach. Doesn't sound good. And then what do you think about who's your biggest game you want to see this weekend as far as is it Georgia Clemson? Is it UCLA Uh LSU? Is it Alabama Miami? Like what's your biggest game this weekend that you're looking forward to seeing outside of Auburn and which we won't see most of them, but hearing about. Love it. 
Um, yes, the South Carolina thing is so freaking weird. When I saw that come out, I was like, how, how is he eligible? How old is this guy? Like, very odd that you would even have an insurance policy. Like, why was this guy just not playing to begin with? Why, why was he on the coaching staff? Like, very, very suspect. But look, I mean, I have a lot of, you know, people that are very hype on the hire you know, Beamer's return to South Carolina. I think when Helensky transferred, that was kind of a big blow to them. Obviously, he wasn't, you know, doing as much as was expected for him early in his career. But I think you had um, something that you could have run with a bit more comfortably at that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you've, you're seeing a grad coach play at quarterback. Doesn't give you a whole lot of comfort or hope in terms of the depth that they've accumulated. But Look, I've been very uh, candid about my thoughts on Will Muschamp as a head coach, and I don't think it can be overlooked the um, setback, honestly, that the South Carolina program endured. I don't fully blame Muschamp, but I just feel very confident that that was not the right pick, and it, it, it was – kept as the situation for a lengthy amount of time and it's going to take a while for that to bounce back and for recruiting to pick up and for them to have the kind of athletes that they need to really contend in the SEC I think it's going to be several years before that happens but that situation is anything but normal and I don't think it's a great reflection I don't think there's anything like sneaky going on with it or anything suspect. I think they just really are in need of a lot of recruiting and a turnaround and that doesn't happen overnight. So uh, doesn't bode well for the Gamecocks. I don't think Uh, second Clemson, Georgia is without a shadow of a doubt, the most intriguing game this week. I think both of these programs have everything going for them. There is so much, um, that they have to hang their hats on preseason. And I fully expect them to live up to expectations. I know Spurrier thinks that Florida is going to run the table in the East. I don't agree with him. I think it's going to be Georgia. Uh, But either of these teams starting the season with an L changes the trajectory of the rest of the season. It really does. I mean, there's implications regardless who loses this one. So very encouraged uh, that this is a week one matchup because it makes it interesting where a lot of these, you know, other games are kind of wah, wah. Um, You can predict them a little bit more. This one is a toss up. And the fact that it's Eh, technically on neutral ground, but Clemson's closer, but honestly, Georgia's not far from Charlotte either. So both of them will have, you know, pretty solid fan bases there. It feels like a big game and both teams have so much talent that they're returning. I don't know, man. I mean, if Clemson starts with an, a loss, uh, they'll run the table in the SEC, the rest or the ACC, the rest of the way, but I don't know. That one will be very interesting to me. I'm not interested in Alabama, Miami. Sorry. Just don't think it's going to be that appealing. Uh, UCLA, LSU probably will not because either of them are that fantastic. I honestly think they're just both power five teams and they're kind of in the middle tier, I guess. So it'll be interesting. I mean, certainly thoughts and prayers out to everyone in Louisiana that has been dealing with, you know, hurricane Ida and the ramifications of that. And the LSU football team, you know, certainly had their week thrown upside down. They had to drive to Houston, which is where they've been staying and practicing all week leading up to this one. And look, that's no small thing. You know, your, Mm -hmm. your entire 
schedule and uh, so much of it is consistency and that completely got upended. And for some of them, you know, they have family members that are, you know, without their homes, without, like there's a mental aspect to this for them. Um, They spent 10 hours on team buses trying to get to Houston on week one when they're playing UCLA. So certainly, you know, not the typical first week and other elements to that one. But if we're talking about most intense, best, you know, matched, and the one that's going to have the most impact on the season as a whole, it's Clemson, Georgia. Wow. Well, college fans, I know y'all do the pick em sheets this week, and uh, y'all have gotten it broken down from college analyst Taylor Davis. So, you know, it's good <laughs> intel. I'm just going to go out here. I'm just going to pick them. I'm just going to say okay. I, like, I like Clemson over Georgia. You do. I'm just going to say, I think Clemson's the upset. I just, I know everybody's JT Daniels high on him, but I just think the kid got great experience last year against Notre Dame, uh, the quarterback for Clemson, and he looked pretty good. Um, I would say Georgia probably has the most depth, but I'm hearing Georgia has injuries, so I'm rolling with Clemson in that matchup. I think LSU is going to play with a chip on their shoulder. I know Chip Kelly's really trying to do something different in UCLA, but I like LSU probably to just come out and win that game just because of the depth perception and uh, and everything. I like Alabama over, over Miami. I don't think anyone's sure. shocker there. So let's see what happens, you know, and uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think a huge thing for Georgia, yes, JT Daniels, but them losing George Pickens is massive. Huge. Like yes. what this guy did for that team last season, I don't think it's, it doesn't get talked about enough. Like he was kind of like a, a – Kyle Pitts, obviously he was a wide receiver, not a tight end, but like this guy was their reliable target. It felt like everything mm-hmm. that was sent his way, he came down with. So losing that, I, I think now they absolutely have depth there, but I think that that will be a very key missing piece for their offense and something it's going to come down to something as small as that. Like one piece is probably going to determine this. Like one of these teams, just if they had X, they would have won. It's going to be very close. Um, But for either team, either of these teams that, you know, have playoff expectations, honestly, to start it out with an L is going to be massive. So that'll be a big one, but before we wrap this one up, do want to go ahead and discuss this uh, storyline that has come out this week and get Jason's input on it. And that is that Cam Newton has been released by the New England Patriots, which means Mac Jones becomes QB1. That doesn't surprise me, to be honest with you. I think Mac Jones fits what the Pats like in a quarterback, what Belichick likes in a quarterback. But the way in which all of this kind of transpired is odd and uh, kind of makes you raise an eyebrow. I've had so many people text me being like, did something else happen? Like, it feels like there's something unsaid a little bit. But, I mean, look, the the Cam and, and Patriots marriage never mm-hmm. made sense to me. I, yeah. I mean, like, that, that was the most odd couple ever when they gave him another one year for this season. I, I was completely shocked. I did not expect they were going to do that. Mac Jones has done very well in preseason, but to, to pull the plug at this point, especially now that the teams have their 53-man rosters set, that's, that's kind of unfortunate. But you said before we started recording that you had thoughts on this, so I'm just going to let you go because I'm scratching my head over here. Well, Taylor, this is definitely a great opportunity for me to uh, kind of utilize my experience 
There you go. Is the fact is Bill Belichick always has a poker face. He's probably the yeah. best poker player to ever play just because you never can figure out what's going on by just watching his his facial expression. So I think this is what happened. Like you said, I didn't agree with the fact that Cam and Belichick marriage was going to happen anyways, because I just felt like Cam wasn't the Patriot way. And, you know, of course, Belichick is business, 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 business. And Cam likes to miss fun with business. And, you know, he likes to be, you know, himself. He likes to dance. He likes to do a lot of things that you just don't normally see from a Patriot's Wait, and that's the same reason that Chad Johnson, if everybody remember, Hocho Cinco mm-hmm. didn't kind of miss with the marriage when he got to New England and uh, was from the same similar situation. So I think what happened is they went into the offseason. They said, OK, Cam started the season off last year pretty good. Towards the middle of the season when he came back from COVID, it wasn't so good. And I think they was just like, OK, let's just say let's bring him back another year while we going to draft the younger quarterback let the younger quarterback kind of sit behind him for a year and realizing that Matt Jones really only had a year and maybe a couple of games of experience in college. So to give him a chance to catch on. But I think what happened is once Matt Jones got there and then how teammates kind of rallied around him and then you have some teammates rallying around Cam, but when Cam missed those five days because of some COVID protocol, and they was doing a joint practice against another NFL team. And people was coming out talking about how good Matt Jones looked against another team and then how many completions he had throughout the whole practice. I think that hurt Cam. I think from that standpoint, it opened the door for everybody else to see. And some of his teammates bought into what Matt was doing. And I think when Cam came back after missing those five days, it's like, okay, we like Matt Jones. We like Cam, but if we're going to go ahead and roll with Matt Jones, let's have a conversation with Cam and see if he's willing to accept playing the backup role. Now, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Cam ego at this standpoint is not going to let him be a backup to a rookie, not a guy yeah. you just drafted. It may have been differently if it was some veteran guy or whatever that he goes in as a backup, but Cam still feels like he can be a starter. So I feel like they probably sat down in the room and they probably told him, like, hey, we're going to go to with Matt Jones. And Cam probably asked, well, then can y'all release me to give me an opportunity to go somewhere else? The hard part about that is it's late in the game. Season starts next week. And mm-hmm. now it's hard for him to find a starting job. So it's going to have to be him, like, really, really letting go of some of the ego a little bit and saying I can go accept the backup job somewhere else. And if someone goes down, I may have an opportunity to play. Or he may just decide to sit home, and if somebody gets hurt and get called up, and then he goes in and he starts. So it's just one of those things that – and I do think vaccination has something to do with it. Uh, him not being vaccinated and they remember last year how many games he missed by not being when he missed last year and then all of a sudden he came back and he was a totally different player so they're probably thinking from that mindset of these new COVID rules that are going on within the NFL now I don't know if that 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 might have played a small portion in it as well but I really think that they did not want the pressure of Cam Newton behind Matt Jones, where this kid is looking over his shoulder. You got to think Cam has a really, really big name. And mm-hmm. if you were Matt Jones and you're just starting off your NFL career, like, you know, some guys on that team like Cam. Some guys have came out and said they like Cam. So you got to try your, try your best to not have a divided locker room. Because if this kid goes out, he sputters the first couple of games, then it's going to be, 
where's Cam? And people looking over yeah. his shoulder. So they released him. I believe the most important thing they did, they released Cam because they did not want Matt Jones to feel any pressure and feel looking over his shoulder and knowing that he can have he, he can have a hiccups in games. He got great games and it doesn't matter. This is his team moving forward. They're rolling with him. Right. And uh, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons. But I think Matt Jones elevated during those five days that Cam Newton was out with COVID when they was doing a joint practice against another team. So let me ask you a tough question. Do you think Cam Newton gets another chance somewhere or is he done? When I, when I read his post, uh, his Instagram post, when he said, you know, don't feel sorry for him, mm-hmm. you know, he's good. Let's face it, Cam has made a lot of money. Um, So I don't really know at this standpoint, I think he's fine walking away from the game if he doesn't get a starting opportunity. I just don't see him being a guy that wants to accept the backup role. And I don't know why people look at backup roles as a bad thing. It's not. You're still making a lot of money, and it's only 32 jobs, and sometimes it's a business. And, yes, you can look around the league and say, man, I'm still better than four, five, six, seven, eight other quarterbacks but guess what you're not on that team it's a business so you know I think if you want to stay in the league you have to humble yourself a little bit and say hey I'm willing to accept this backup job because you never know you're still one player away and I know it strikes your ego a little bit because you feel like man just five years ago I was the MVP like how they gonna put me as a backup you know so I understand like yes you still had a talent and ability to be a starter but it's not presenting the opportunity to you right now. So what do you want to do? It's going to come down to, do I want to say, do I want to play football enough to accept the backup job? Cause I know the phones is ringing off the hook. I know Dallas is probably calling him like crazy. I know the Falcons might be reaching out to him like crazy. Um, but the whole thing is it's going to come up to is Cam Newton willing to kind of let go of the ego a little bit and say, I can be a backup or, he's going to walk away from the game. Yeah, that will be very interesting. I mean, look, this was a guy that never really had to deal with being turned away or Mm -hmm. being behind anybody everywhere he went for the first 10 years of his career. Like it went to gold. I mean, he steps foot in Auburn for one year and takes us to a national title and walks away with the Heisman. Like what? Mm-hmm. In one year? I, I mean, yes, I understand the little Florida fiasco, but um, then he goes to the, you know, to Carolina. He's their first draft pick. He's MVP, takes them to a Super Bowl. I mean, this guy just experienced success on the field everywhere he went. And then it right. it all kind of changed after Panthers let go of him and he was dealing with all those injuries and can he, can't he, blah, blah, blah. And it never really regained steam since then. But it'll certainly be interesting to see what happens. If I see one more freaking tweet about Bama still beating Auburn because Mac oh got the start over Cam, I'm going to lose my mind. Everyone shut up about that. But Amen. nonetheless, um, we'll certainly keep our eyes on that. But most importantly, we will keep our eyes on this Auburn football season, which starts in just a few short days so with that we will wrap up this episode of believe in everything auburn everyone enjoy game week enjoy being able to do it the normal way go tailgate go to campus go in the game and have some fun support this team 
have some patience as they figure out the kinks because that's a very natural part of what this program is going through. But uh, be excited because we get football back and nothing's better than that. So everyone enjoy the game. We'll be back next week to break down the action and preview week two against Alabama State. So we will talk then. And as always, War Eagle. War Eagle people, love to hear your thoughts on IG. Holla at your boy. Holla at your girl. Let's do it. (laughs) Peace. Peace. (laughs) Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.